And please join us as we ground ourselves in silence. Good morning and welcome. I'm back. If you were here last week, I was here last week too. Dr. Patrick wasn't able to be here today and I got a call this morning. So here I am again. So I invite you to join me in consciousness this day. Take my words and make them your own. Leave whatever doesn't fit behind. Take a deep breath. Allow yourself to be fully present here and now. Allow the only voice, the only knowing, to be that of spirit in you and as you. Let it be that thing that belongs to you that you can never lose. So today I stand with my hands wide open that I may receive the gift of its love, the sunshine of its heart, and let me be the channel for peace and all other joy that wants to be expressed here at this time on this planet. Let me be that place. Let me share in its joy, in the excitement of life and all the wonderful things that are happening. For this is, this is the intention of spirit, that love may be fulfilled and expressed by means of all of its creation. So that means you and me and everyone and anyone you can think of. So today I surrender into the presence of it, into the presence of that light that shines with its wisdom, with its patience and its understanding that allows me to be that seed of its thought, to grow and to bloom and to blossom, to take great delight for this incredible moment of my existence on this planet. Let me know that all of the people and all of the situations and circumstances of this life are simply mine to learn and grow from, to experience, to delight in, and to release when, when they no longer serve. So I step into that role comfortably with a commitment to be at my best, to stay awake, to stay tuned in to that voice of spirit as it guides me, as it sustains me. I place my trust in it and that is enough this day that I may serve in a way that is filled with the intention of spirit and I allow myself to follow its direction and to set that direction in that course and use my will to keep myself on track. And so I give thanks, I give thanks that that there is that one. And I am so grateful that that one shows up in so many delightful ways today as our wonderful musicians who sing and play and open our hearts that we may hear a message that, that reaches our mind but also touches our heart. For all the volunteers who have pre prepared this sacred space that we may come together and hear a message that may inspire us to feel something in our hearts that may move us past a hurt 
or a past experience. For everyone who has been here and walked through these doors and then has walked out of these doors and carried a message of love and compassion that they have shared with the entire world because it is together we co-create and make this world a better place for not just ourselves but for one and all. For this I am so very grateful and I know that that just simply is the way it works and I let it be and so it is. Well, welcome. Yes, I got a call about 10 minutes before my alarm went off this morning. And um, one of the things that they tell us um, as we're about to, you know, finish ministry is, you know, to have that, a talk, always have a talk prepared and tucked away in your file so that you can pull it out at any moment on short notice. Well, I didn't pay attention to that good advice. <laughs> I trust Spirit is going to inspire me and guide me and sustain me and speak its words through me, and we're going to have a delightful time today. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> and I survived the first service. They didn't cast me out, so it couldn't have been that bad, right? So, of course, you know, when we, when, when, uh, when we do a talk... My, my, my rule is, you know, to, to be inspired by what is going on in, in my life. You know, look around. What's, what's happening in my life? What am I paying attention to? What, what's going on? Because I can always speak to that. And I can tell my own story. And today, Dr. Patrick's theme was the power of intention and co-creation. And we're starting with a new book uh, with Dr. Wayne Dyer's The Power of Intention. I believe there's some in the bookstore. And, um, and so it's, he really focuses well on the power of intention and what it means to us. And, um, and I was thinking about, well, what, what's been going on lately? Well, you know, well, of course we know what's going on. It's playoffs, right? It is, it is this, yeah. The hockey season, yay, is wrapping up. <laughs> Maybe by the end of June, it'll be done. <laughs> you know, you know we've, we finished one round, we're into the next round. So I think, what, there's eight teams left, maybe? And uh, whatnot, and I thought, wow, well, you know, hockey's a great metaphor for co-creation and intention, you know, because here all these people come together and they all want to win the Stanley Cup, right? That's, that's what all the teams, you know, come together and that's what they want to do. But we know that only one team is, is going to get it at the end of the season. And, uh, you know, if you've lived as long as I have, you've seen dynasties roll through where every year it was the Montreal Canadiens, you know, you knew they were going to win it. Um, uh, for a while, I remember the New York Islanders, when expansion happened, they had a, a good run. Even our very own Edmonton Oilers, right, with uh, Gretzky and Messier and Anderson and all those guys, you know, had a wonderful dynasty as well and won the cup many times in a short period of time. And what does it take to make that kind of a, a winning team? Well, you know, part of it is you set... You know, what is your purpose of coming together as a team and, and, and getting to that point of winning the cup? If you think that your, your um, objective is to keep the puck out of your net, to stop the other team from scoring goals, well, it's obvious what you'd do. You'd get the biggest goalkeeper that you can to block the net and keep the puck out of the net. And I know that the Oilers have been looking for the great goalkeeper all over the last two years. I don't know how many people they've had in net. 
It was incredible. I watched um, part of that game with my son uh, when Ben Scrivens was brought to the Oilers earlier this season. And he played this game. I'm not sure if it was his first or second game with the Oilers. He got a shutout and he blocked like 54 shots or something like that. If you saw it, it was just incredible. This guy was on fire. And he got a shutout to boot. The Oilers won the game. It was like, yay, we finally got our goaltender. Well, if you saw Coach Aikens interviewed after that game, he was livid. You could see the fire spewing out of him because typically in a game, if you didn't know, you would expect a goalie to have maybe 20, 25, maybe 30 shots on goal. This guy blocked 54 in one game. That should never, never happen if the rest of the team showed up to play, right? So, uh, <laughs> so that might not really be the only way you want to play. So you might want to get you know, guys that can score goals because your other objective might be to, if you, don't, if you want to block shots, you want to get the puck in the opposing team's goal so you can score and win. That's great. You could play a game and have lots of goals scored. Eight goals in a game, that'd be amazing. But if the other team scores nine, you still lose the game. So it speaks to the point that depending on how we define our objectives and what intention we set really determines how we come together and create a team that can play well together and achieve the outcome if we're clear about what our intention is. It's often said that in our lifetime we live our life can be divided into three chapters, the, you know, the first chapter, the middle, and the, and the final chapter. And if one lives to be about 90 years old, then I guess I am kind of coming to the close of my, my second chapter, and uh, I'll be entering my third chapter, which can only get better. <laughs> and so as I reflect on my life, and, and, I re and I reflect on how I have aligned my life and my intentions with spirit's highest intention for me. I kind of can reflect and see how my life has played out a bit, you know. In, those, in our early life, um, we're so influenced by uh, the people that raise us, our parents or whoever we live with, by the schooling we get, by the education we get, by what we learn, how we take that information in, how we process it, how we come to an understanding about it. And sometimes with our young minds, we kind of um, don't get the story quite right. Sometimes we don't really have a good understanding of what's happening and why it's happening. And so we can make up all kinds of stories. And in some cases, um, when we're denied something or we don't get what we think we want or should have or deserve, uh, regardless of what that might be, we can tend to start to make up stories about how worthy we are, how deserving we are. Do people like me? Why can't I have everything I want? I mustn't be good enough or, or you know, some such stories like that. Those things can happen very early in life. And, um, and so any beliefs that we might have will play themselves out. And certainly for me, I remember when I finally, uh, you know, finished university, I got married like the next month, boom, finished writing my exams in April, May 12th, I was married, 21 years old, ready to take on the world. I had my man at my side. Everything was going to be great. Well, hmm, it wasn't. <laughs> And so, um, 
my beliefs really played out at that point in my life. The expectations I had around what marriage was, what I expected of my partner, what he expected of me, and how we worked together or didn't work together at times. And so eventually that, that marriage came to an end, and, um, and that's okay, uh, because that's, I think, what needed to happen. We both needed our freedom to be who we were, and we weren't who we thought each other was. So, so, so that was okay. And I finally brought complete closure to that marriage this week by signing on some legal papers. The other thing that happened for me and um, was uh, in my second chapter in my life is primarily when I had my children and raised them. And as of this Monday, so lots of things happened for me this week. As of this Monday, I became an official empty nester. Yeah. They clapped for me at the first service too. Like that is a milestone to achieve because, you know, I couldn't raise goldfish. I'm surprised I got three kids out the door. (laughs) As, you know, relatively happy, healthy, successful people at that. So, yeah, it is a great accomplishment. And so... um, my, my last child is Adam, wonderful, wonderful young man, and he came to me at a point in my life when I really thought maybe baby making was done, I didn't think I'd be having any more children, and this young man came with an intention that was very powerful and very strong, and there he was. And um, let's just say that when he arrived into the world, and I won't go into the details, but uh, we were both a little bit battered and bruised from the experience, physically and emotionally and, and even spiritually. He had an arm that wasn't moving, it was paralyzed, and so that created all kinds of stories about what went wrong and who did something wrong and, and uh, what would happen, what would be the outcome and all that kind of thing. And if he had an arm that wasn't working, what else wasn't working and on and on the stories went. Well, the good news was that eight to nine months later, he had a fully functioning arm that uh, showed no sign of any, any problem. So that was the good news for Adam. But it really spoke to me about the power of intention and aligning ourselves with it. The very powerful lesson for me was that I had already come into this teaching when he, when he was uh, brought to me, when he was born, and... Um, I had taken a few years of science of mind classes, had no idea I'd ever become a practitioner or minister with it, but I was certainly well on the path, and I really had a very good and strong relationship with my minister at the time, and I remember bringing Adam with me as a babe in arms. Uh, Sometimes I'd be at the center in the middle of the week, and uh, if she was here, all she wanted to do was hold him. And she would take him in her arms, and she would look at him eye to eye, almost nose to nose, and she would tell him, the truth of who he is. She would tell him how magnificent he was, that he was filled with love and wisdom and beauty and joy and all those things. And I just, I just kind of stand back and, and let her go, you know, like I, I didn't interfere and I just listened to, to her just, just connecting with this little boy. And I thought, wow, you know, how precious that he's surrounded by, by people who affirm the truth of who he is. The wonderful thing about Adam is that when he sets an intention... When he gets clear about what he, what he wants to do, where he's going in life, he just manifests everything. And, and this kept being demonstrated to me over and over again in his life. So when he was uh, in elementary school, they were, it was the end of a school year one year, and they were having a talent 
show. You know how the teachers look for things for kids to do while they kind of clean up and re do report cards and all that stuff. And so they were doing this at the end of the school year and, um, and Adam comes home and he says to me, Mom, what's my talent? I want to be in the talent show. He knew he wanted to be on that stage. He knew he wanted to be in front of the whole school. He knew that that was the place for him to be. But he didn't know what his talent was. Lots of kids play musical instruments or they sing or they do, you know, taekwondo or something that they would get up and do a little demonstration of. He wasn't really involved in anything like that at that time that he felt he could, you know, get up and, and, uh, and share. So we pondered and pondered and I said, you know, Adam, you tell a really good joke. And he does. He just has this, this sense of humor that is just priceless. He just picks up on things and innuendo and, and he could just, his timing, everything was just perfect, even at a very young age. And I said, you know, you, you tell a really good joke. And he says, yeah, I do. And so he took that and he just spent the week, you know, looking for jokes and writing jokes and thinking of things that were funny and, and just practiced and on and on and on. And, and they put him in the talent show with his jokes and, and they put him up every, between different acts, you know. And, and he just, he filled all the gaps and he was hilarious and they loved him and they clapped and they, I think they, he even got a standing O at one point. It was just, it was wonderful. And, and he was just like, oh yeah, this is where I want to be. And so, um, so he started, you know, participating with the choir and he started signing up to be in some of the drama productions that the school did and he really loved it and, and enjoyed it. And so then when he was moving from grade six to grade seven, he, um, he told me, mom, I don't want to go to German school like my brother and sister. I want to go to Victoria because it's a performing arts school and I can act there. I'm like, well, okay. So we applied. He got in. What do you know? And um, grade seven was his first year there. And that was the year that Oliver was playing at the Citadel. And they needed a huge cast of youth to be in this production. And they went to Vic to, uh, to audition uh, kids from the program. And so that was his first year at Vic. I had no idea how these audition things worked, especially with a professional company like the Citadel. So he signed up, went to the audition, you know, we waited and he got called back for the next one. Well, I didn't know that um, they would be doing them on the weekend. And I didn't know that if you didn't show up for that next callback, you were out, you were done, you didn't get a second chance. And it turned out that that Saturday when they were doing the callbacks, we needed to be in Prince George at my niece's wedding. You know, I don't have a very big family and this was a really big event in our family's life and we really needed to be there. And Adam was just brokenhearted. I've never seen the boy sob so much at losing the opportunity to be on the big stage at the Citadel in Oliver. And it just broke my heart to, and I just didn't know how to console him and I was this close to saying, okay, we don't have to go to the wedding, but I really, you know, we really needed to go to the wedding. And he cried and he cried and he cried. And he then realized that he needed to be at the wedding. He was a part of the family. He wanted to support his cousin. That was it. Forget the audition. He was going to the wedding. And I was so pr proud of him for being able to come to that conclusion himself. And then we came back from the wedding. He went back to school. Lo and behold, he gets another call back. He's told to show up for another audition. And he gets the part, and he gets him to be in the play. So here is another demonstration of this young man manifesting for himself. So my young son, um, yes, he acted. By the time he got to high school, acting wasn't so important anymore. 
football was, though. He wanted to play football. He wanted to be a big, tough guy. They don't have football teams at performing arts schools. <laughs> and he didn't want to leave that school. So he looked for a school that would let him play football after school. And of course, he found one. And he made the team, and he played for his all of high school. Wanted to keep playing after high school. Didn't make the team, though. So then he had to find something else to do. He worked out. This kid is strong and buff. He's in great shape. He realized that he wanted to be outside. He wanted to be active. He wanted to stay fit. He wanted to be out in nature. He wanted to do something that would make a difference. And、um, he decided to be a forest firefighter. So he applied. He got that job, or he got the he passed the physical. He got the interview. He went for the training, and they said, "Well, we're not sure.、Um, we're not going to give you a spot immediately, but come to the training, and you can compete with other guys for a spot." So he left on Monday to go to Hinton for his、uh, forest firefighter training. Not sure if he would get a job or where it would be. He called me on Friday. He said, "I got a job. I got a spot. Yay!" The guy did it again. And I said, "He said,、um, I said, where are you going to go?" He says, "I don't know yet, but they gave us a chance to pick our top three choices. Guess what I picked?" I said, "Well, probably somewhere near Calgary or Banff, Rocky Mountain House or Edson Jasper, so you can be close to the mountains and go climbing on your days off." He said, "Yeah, no, I changed my mind. That's not my prior- priority anymore." I go, "Oh, really?" He says, "No, I want to be where the action is. I want to be where the most fires are. I picked high level, Lac La Biche, and some other place up north." <laughs> yeah, oh gee. He says, "You probably won't see much of me this summer." I said, "Okay." He texted me yesterday. He got high level, so that's like way, way up there. But good for him. He got. What he wanted, and just another example of how this guy puts his eye on something, and he makes it happen. And that is so much what intention is. And when we align ourselves with Spirit's highest intention for us, we have all the power and the resources of the entire universe supporting us. So, what is this thing that we call intention? Well. It is what we want to give or express and serve, and it defines the quality of our creative expression. You see, we are put on this planet as creative beings. We are meant here to keep growing and expanding and bringing newness into our life. So, if we're feeling stuck, if we're feeling like we're moving backwards or nothing's really happening for us. Then it's time to kind of look at: Am I really in my right and perfect place, or am I just that cactus growing in the rainforest that really doesn't belong there? An intention isn't about getting something. That might be a goal or an objective, but an intention is really our participation with God's highest intention for us, and our willingness to allow that power of Spirit to flow through us, and it sets a direction. In our lives, it's not an endpoint. It's not the completion of anything. It, an intention really puts us in a direction. 
So one of the things that I'm doing right now, um, as I mentioned last week, is the class that I'm teaching is Living Your Life Purpose. And the homework assignment for class this week was to start thinking about what your intentions might be that you'd put in your sacred covenant. And their sacred covenant, covenant is really your conscious acknowledgement of your agreement with spirit and spirit's purpose for you. And so... Last night I decided to take some time and flip through my instructor manual and review my notes for this week's class and to look at intentions and I realized that it was time for me to reevaluate some of my, my intentions. This time next week I'm going to be packing a suitcase to go off on retreat for a week to work specifically with my mentor on the same very topic of living one's life purpose and, and setting intentions. And so what I did last night is I, I just had this inspiration to, to revisit um, my intention, my personal intention, and somewhere around 11 p.m., this is what came to me. And it was to create and participate in incredible moments of meaning and connection that transform and reveal the presence of God's love in action. I'll say it again my intention to create and participate in incredible moments of meaning and connection that transform and reveal the presence of God's love in action. So you see that in this intention, there's no end point. It sets a direction for my life. Will I ever complete this intention? Is it like a goal that will ever be completed and done? Absolutely not. Remember that Life is eternal. I'm setting a direction. I'm participating and aligning myself with God's desire to express love. I'm aligning myself with that. And life is eternal. When we shed these bodies, life continues. And so does this intention. So when we choose to bring it into our conscious awareness and make agreement with our personal intention, then that intention has to be big. It can't have an end point, and it has to be something that we're open and available to right now. How did I know? I didn't know last night at 11 o'clock what I would be doing this morning. I thought I'd just go pick up a friend and come to service and enjoy it and connect with friends. That didn't happen. But as soon as I got that call this morning, I knew that I, I was going to say yes, because it was a fulfillment of this very intention to have incredible moments of connection and meaning that reveal the presence of God's love. I, I, I totally see this as a manifestation of that type of, of, a, of an intention. It happens now, and we can say yes to it. Sometimes, our ego can get in the way, though. And our ego is our personal use of spirit. It's how spirit shows up and is personalized and personalized and individualized in and through and as us. And that's, that's a good thing. It's good that we have an ego. Where it sometimes goes a little sideways is if our ego attaches itself uh, to our errors in belief. So if I define and if I say I am what I have, then I'm defining myself by the possessions I have. If I say I am what I do, then my achievements or lack of will define me. If I say I am what others think of me, then I am letting my reputation define me. If I claim that I am separate 
then my body is what defines me. And if I say I'm separate from God, then my life depends on God's assessment of my worthiness. That really limits me because I've attached myself to limiting ideas of who and what I am. When I recognize that I am a divine expression of God and God's love, then I can attach my ego to the awareness of my oneness with God, with all of life and love and the highest expression of the divinity within me. And then it does the work. It knows how to manifest that through me when I align myself with that highest intention. You see, our thinking can be very superficial. We can just look at our outer circumstances and say, oh, I have three children, I'm a mother. Oh, I go to work here, I'm a this. Oh, I, um, um, I've got awards on my wall. Oh, I'm a very successful person. I can look at my outer world, but it's very superficial. It's very selfish, and it really doesn't necessarily carry me um, into a higher ideal. It can be very exclusive as well. My thinking can be very scientific. It can be based on evidence. My thinking can, and, and when it's scientific based on evidence, then what I'm doing is I'm just coming into a collective agreement with other people about um, the physical that we can all come to agreement about. But when my thinking is in a spiritual realm and is based on the spiritual truth, then I am inviting uh, spirit's highest intention to, um, to guide me. I am accepting the formlessness of its power to formulate itself around intentions and ideas and ideals that will now express that divinity that is within. So if we go back to the metaphor of hockey and we look at the intentions that are set for the team, yes, they all want to win the Stanley Cup, but even more so, where is the intention for everyone to do their best, to support each other, to come together in agreement, in a co-creation kind of an environment and, and bring out the best in each one and to allow each person to do what they love, for the goalkeeper to do what they love, for the forward to do what they love. So it's not really just the intention of the players to do their best, and it's not just the intention of the coach to mold those players or the GM to you know, hire and fire, but there's also the owner, the original person who starts the team, who's whose first idea and spark of intention brings all of those resources to that team that they may come together and fulfill that highest intention. And if it's an intention that's big, that's based on the highest of ideals, you know, that's going to be a winning team whether or not they get the Stanley Cup. So just before service, someone walked up to me and they handed me this little photo and it's a picture of uh, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore who lived at the same time and were taught by the same teachers as our founder, Ernest Holmes. And um, Ernest Holmes started the Church of Religious Science, which has evolved into Centers for Spiritual Living, and they started Unity. 
When um, Charles was 94, just before he passed away, he wrote the words on the back of this. And I just wanted to share it with you because when I heard it, it was like, oh my gosh, this was his intent for his lifetime. And sometimes those are the most clearest intentions a person has once they've lived their lives and they get clear about their intention. And he said, I fairly sizzle with zeal and enthusiasm, springing forth with a mighty faith to do that that ought to be done by me. I fairly sizzle with zeal and enthusiasm, springing forth with a mighty faith to do the things that ought to be done by me. That's a powerful intention set forth by a man who lived a great life at the age of 94. And so as we consider what our intentions are and align them with the highest ideal, the universal intention of God that is to express life in ever-increasing and abundant ways, love is that self-revealing presence of God in our lives and you are the conscious avenue for the expression of that love. And that, friends, is enough. Thank you for being here today. Namaste. Thanks. Thank you.